Good morning, everybody. Great to have you with us this morning. Before I stick around for too long up front, you might remember over the last couple of weeks we've been having some testimonies around hospitality. We had Jeff O.D. a couple of weeks ago, Matt Perros last week, and this morning we're actually going to hear from Helen. So can we give a round of applause for Helen as she comes up just to share a story or two about hospitality. Welcome. I'll give you this one. I miss being hospitality or showing hospitality. Hospitality is uh, different in different ways, in different culture. And when Lee asked me, as immediately my first thought was back in my former life in West Africa. Hospitality was very high on the agenda of everybody, that's natural. The, you go anywhere, the first thing is Greeting, shaking of hands multiple times, giving you a drink of water, that's the most precious. And then uh, we proceed into the conversation. When, what I was thinking of too, is when we were going to villages for, um, for church, preaching into remote uh, villages, uh, we were always very welcome, people happy. After the service, the preacher, <laughs> the family, our family was always uh, invited for lunch. We couldn't just go, leave, uh, say goodbye and go. No, no, no. We were, had to sit there and you would see someone running around the yard trying to catch a chicken. And we knew <laughs> that uh, would be our lunch. <laughs> We could never do, go without, you know? And uh, uh, people had very little, and it was kind of embarrassing to accept that they wouldn't do without this. And we were the first served, and, uh, and then later, if there were any leftovers, the women and the kids would get something. If not, it was the visitors and the man of the house. Well, um, they were very generous with what they had. And once uh, we were leaving for going to Australia, a man in our church who was an elder was a former leper. He had leprosy for many years and he was very handicapped. His limbs were really quite uh, shocking. But before we left, he gave 5,000 francs CFA of the local money to Rodney for, to buy bread for the road, for uh, our trip. So we would buy some bread. We would have something to buy. That was maybe uh, the equivalent of just over $10. But for him, it was a huge amount. He had no income at all. And that's very generous. But how does it look like for us here? Receiving hospitality can be shown in different ways. We can invite people for a meal or have a, a coffee with someone we know. And, uh, or it can be a walk, in my opinion. We can go for a walk with someone and we have a good conversation. It can be visiting someone who cannot get out anymore for a health reason or age or whatever. And uh, yes, uh, all these moments 
have to be seized. And uh, it is something usually which is spontaneous and we are happy to, to do these moments, to have these moments. Sometimes it can be more difficult. Sometimes it is uh, a bit of a challenge because of different reasons. It is harder and uh, we have to make an effort and uh, not necessarily with joy in our heart. We would have time with someone. And, uh, but when we feel the compulsion by, by the Lord to, to spend time with that person after all that negative thoughts fly away. And uh, I found it is any kind of interaction is really profitable and joyful. And I read a verse in Romans uh, 15 this week. That's really, uh, it was really good. When Paul was uh, anticipating to visit people in Rome, he was longing to go there. And he said, um, then by the will of God, I will be able to come to you with a joyful heart and we will be an encouragement to each other. And I said, that's it. You know, hospitality in one way or another, if we receive it or if we give it, gives us joy and, uh, and it is an encouragement to both ways. It is not only uh, one way, it is uh, both ways. So that's my contribution. <laughs> Thank you very much, Helen. That's awesome. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Encore. Sorry, a little thing. Uh, you, when we were leaving the village, often we will go home with a live chicken or two <laughs> as well. You don't have to do that much here. Don't worry. <laughs> I think some of us in the congregation do have chickens at home, so you never know. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing, Helen. Let's pray just before we uh, share this morning from God's Word. Heavenly Father, we're just grateful for uh, your hospitality to us, Lord. That you are so hospitable and how you give out of your generosity, Lord, and you've actually given us everything that we have. Lord, we, we are blessed as we receive that. Lord, we are joyful as we receive that. And we know to to many extents, Lord, you're joyful as you give that as well to your children. So we thank you for your heart, Lord. Would you help our hearts to reflect that this morning as well, that uh, you'd help us to be uh, an increasingly hospitable people, Lord, that we would want to give generously from what you've given us, to share, what you've, share from what you've given us, Lord. And uh, as, we, as we go through your word this morning, would you just soften our hearts, Lord, open our minds to the things that you have for us today. Uh, we look forward to, to our time together with you, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Bible is full of heroes of the faith. When I hear the word hero and faith associated together, I often think of Hebrews 11. If you know that chapter well, it's often referred to as the hall of faith because there's just a lot of names and a lot of stories of people's faith that they've shown throughout the history, predominantly from the Old Testament. And you know, there's just this long list of people from Abel, Enoch, Abraham, right through to Moses, David, everyone, Gideon, 
People who are known because of their faith and whose stories have been written and recorded and throughout the millennia become part of God's word to us today. Even in the New Testament, obviously, the four gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, our beautiful saviour. I mean, he's, he's, he's a massive hero of the faith. He's, he is the hero of the faith. <laughs> and then obviously Paul and the other apostles writing the, the dominant letters of the, of the New Testament. We, we don't have a shortage of heroes of the faith. But I wonder if we have a shortage of the unsung heroes of the faith that we can recall and kind of share from. And so there are many who don't get a lot of airtime, but whose influence and blessing goes on to impact for generations. And so we're sharing this morning, mostly from a few different passages in scripture. We're not looking at one particular passage uh, today, but we're kind of jumping around a little bit because we're looking at the life of a married couple in the early church, Aquila and Priscilla. You may have heard of them, you may have read them, or seen their names pop up throughout some of the, the letters of the New Testament. So as we start, we're going to just start from one passage in Acts, Acts chapter 18, where we first kind of meet Aquila and Priscilla. It's during one of Paul's missionary journeys. So let's have a read. It's Acts 18, verses 1 to 3. This is the first of three. So we're jumping around a bit, but they're all on the screen for you this morning. Acts 18, verses 1 to 3. After this... Paul left Athens and he went to Corinth. It was there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. That's where we stop. So, Paul has just left Athens He had been debating with a lot of intellectuals and philosophers, people who are very high-level thinkers in in the time. Athens was kind of the centre for all of that uh, in in first century, uh, basically first century Rome and and just that that general area. Uh, They they would all meet at the Areopagus and they would talk and they would debate and share ideas and what's the latest idea, what's the latest thing that tickles my ears, what's the latest whatever. And so when Paul rocks up and he's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ... Obviously, that's a very exciting and interesting prospect for a lot of these high-thinking individuals. And so Paul sees some fruit from that, uh, but he eventually leaves and moves on to Corinth. He ends up at Corinth, and soon after arriving, he meets Aquila and Priscilla. They were also new to Corinth. We read that this married couple had recently arrived in Corinth uh, because they were booted out of Rome by the government, basically. They were booted out of their home. Uh, because the the Roman government were moving on Jews from places that they weren't really welcome. They had to relocate. And uh, yeah, the first that we hear about them is here, meeting Paul. And they are very much people of peace for Paul. We, We see immediately that they are people of hospitality. Because so quickly after meeting Paul, he's invited to live with them and stay with them. They're feeding them. But Aquila, he was a fellow tent maker. And so Straight away, he's like, oh, you should come get some work here. I know some guys or come work with me. You know, Aquila's even opening his networks and and helping Paul find work to earn a living to support the mission work that he was doing. It's especially meaningful when you learn that they were just new to Corinth as well. They, They hadn't established themselves in Corinth. They weren't, you know, there for decades long and established his family with deep roots and everything. They'd kind of just moved there too. And so, despite having just moved there and Paul just arriving there, they're just showing hospitality immediately. And and it's pretty cool, and it really reveals their heart, I believe. Even amongst their own unsettling and adjustment, 
they're choosing to show hospitality to Paul. It's pretty cool. Matt shared last week that hospitality uh, is generosity in action. And I believe that God has given us each individually what we have. Um, being hospitable and generous is simply sharing what we have. And that's something that Helen just touched on this morning as well. I'm a firm believer too that God's provided enough food and water and shelter for everyone in this world because we know that he is Jehovah Jireh, he's our provider. We know that. But then when we're faced with poverty and a lack of food and water and shelter for millions if not billions of people around the world, you kind of look at that problem in the face and you go, what is going on there? What is going on there? And I think I've said it before, but my personal opinion is that it's a matter of poor stewardship. It's a matter of sin from those who have much, not choosing to give to those who have little. They're, they're not showing hospitality to the people around them. And selfishness and greed reigns instead. I believe there is enough around the world to facilitate the population that, that God's brought here. But there are many who have much who choose not to share. And sadly, people suffer as a result. I do believe that this morning God's call for each of us whether we are in a position of having much or a position of having little, to give and share what we have. That is the heart of hospitality, to give and share what we have, to be a blessing to God, to be a blessing to the people around us. That's what's at the heart of hospitality. And that's what we see Priscilla and Aquila doing. Even though they're going through this major life adjustment, they're still sharing what they had. They're sharing their home, they're sharing their food, they're opening their networks and helping Paul find work in a new city to support himself. It's pretty cool. Let's move on to the next passage. We're going to look at Romans 16, verses 3 to 5. Feel free to flip through if you've got your own Bible. Otherwise, it's on the screen as well. This is Romans 16, verses 3 to 5. This just says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. This couple are sounding pretty awesome. I like them already. So what we've just read was from Romans 16. And, and if you know Romans well, that is the final chapter. It is, it is the conclusion of a long letter. And if you know it, you kind of see from chapters 1 through to, 1 through to 11 just, just heavy teaching on theology and the history of Israel and how it relates to the, to the Greeks and the Gentiles and, and the Romans here. And, and Paul's spending a lot of time just correcting theology, correcting belief about who God really is. And then chapters kind of 12 through to 15 is the practical application point. Because of all that I've said here, this is what you must now do. And then in chapter 16 that we've just read, it's this long list of names. Like you open chapter 16 of Romans and you're like, God, what are you saying to me through this? It just says, greet this person and greet that person and thank this person and greet this person. And this is in the word of God. And so it has merit to be there and so it's relevant to us. To me, it shows the incredible team effort that's involved in serving Christ. Because it's not just about one person. It's not just about Paul. But it's about the team effort, everyone playing their part, everyone using their gift, everyone sharing what they have to offer. It wasn't just about Paul and his ministry, but about all of those who journeyed with him, supported him, helped him along the way. And if you were to open your Bibles and look through Romans 16, it's just chock-a-block full of names. And amongst the very first names mentioned are Aquila and Priscilla. They're given the title co-workers of Christ. 
Now that's a special title for them in the context of this conclusion, but I believe we're all co-workers in Christ as well. We are co-workers in the kingdom of God. We are part of God's team. We also read that Aquila and Priscilla were risking their lives for Paul. There was, there was some deep gratitude from Paul there saying, they risked their lives for me. I thank these people. Look after these people. So we don't know really what happened there for sure. It's not quite covered in scripture, but the most likely scenario according to the scholarly world is that it relates to the riots that happened in Ephesus. Because Paul and Aquila and Priscilla were all in Ephesus when some really, really hectic riots broke out and it was like a do or die scenario where they had to bail pretty quick. And scholars mostly believe that that's probably where it happened, where they were risking their lives. Uh, but I mean, when you're spreading the gospel in a very persecuted world, you're probably risking your life every day, to be honest. But anyway, we don't know for sure. We don't know for sure. What we do know is they did risk their lives for Paul. They showed faith. They showed boldness. They were traveling with him for part of their journey. They ended up moving from Corinth to Ephesus at some point, as we know. And they were great companions. They were great companions of Paul's in the mission of God. They were great co-workers of Paul's in the mission for Christ. We see another example in another passage. This is from Acts 18. I told you we're jumping around a bit, but this is the last passage. It's okay. This is Acts 18, verses 24 to 26. Another story of Priscilla and Aquila. It says, A Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor, and he taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained it to him the way or explained to him the way of God more adequately. You can kind of read between the lines what's happening here, hey. <laughs> There's this new bloke called Apollos who comes along, he's very passionate for the Lord. He's up in the synagogue teaching and preaching, but there's a few gaps in his theology. There's a few chapters of the story that he's missing. And I love that Aquila and Priscilla are there listening to this guy. They're listening to him in the synagogue. They, they kind of identify, mm, there's a couple of things that this guy's missing about what he's saying about Jesus. And so what do they do? They invite him over to their home. I love the heart of these guys. In Corinth, they've just taken Paul in as a missionary. They've provided hospitality to him through food, accommodation. They've helped Paul find work. And then even after they move to Ephesus now, we read that the church is meeting in their house. They're inviting people over to their home for gospel conversations. Apollos is being lovingly corrected in his theology here. And these are all things that can take place through hospitality. Because hospitality is being generous with what God's given you. It's using it to bless God and bless others. So even though the lives of these guys had changed, even though their locations had changed, even though there was a lot of change day to day as they journeyed on mission with Paul, their heart for God and their heart for his people never changed. Their heart for showing hospitality had never changed. And as we know, it made a huge impact on the Apostle Paul's life. It made a huge impact on the life of the early church. We know quite personally just now for Apollo that it was quite impactful on his life. It wasn't anything too crazy. They just shared what they had. They used what they had to be a blessing to the Lord and to others. 
They opened their home. They shared their food. They shared their faith. They opened up their networks with others. That's all they did. It's not radical, is it? And yet, the blessing that it brought to God and God's people was huge. It's what hospitality is. It's using what you have for God and for others. I love hospitality, and I love that it's often around food, because I love food. And I love that it's around home, because I love home, you know, being in people's homes and being in my own home. I'm a fan of shelter. (laughs) It's most often where hospitality takes place, around the table, in homes, with food. It it can happen in, in a myriad of different ways, of course, but most often it's usually in homes around food. And it's within these places where we can show generosity to others, where genuine relationships can be built, new friendships can be born, where organic conversations of faith can exist. You know, we read of Apollos being invited over. To, and he, he was obviously a Christian. He was, he was a passionate Christian, new to the faith. But there were still beautiful conversations that could take place over food in someone's home. You know, they weren't being baited in and having the gospel sprung on them in some cheeky evangelistic endeavor. They were just meeting with people, building relationships, having food together. And whatever comes up in conversation, comes up in conversation, as led by the Spirit. It's very natural. It's very organic. And it's even an outflowing of your life and who you are. This morning, there's a couple of questions that I'd love for us to consider. They're not big questions. The questions are, what has God given me? And how can I use that to serve God and serve others? Because I believe that's what's at the heart of hospitality. What has God given me? And how can I use that to serve God and others? That could be our resources or our homes. It could be our spiritual giftings. If you're not sure what you're gifted in, what the Holy Spirit has given you, come chat to us. There are a number of tools and things that we can use to help guide you and, and lead you. And the Spirit can obviously... Help identify those as well. And, and on a more personal note, for Felicity and I, you know, we're not super rich. We live in a very nice suburb in Deegan, you know. <laughs> we love Deegan, we grew up in the area, and God has provided us to live here at the moment. And, and we strive to use what we have to serve God and to serve others. But that wasn't perhaps always the case when we got the house that we're in at the moment. Because I remember four years ago, it wasn't our first preference. When we moved into this house, we were like, yeah, this isn't the house we want. Uh, it's expensive. It's too big. The maintenance is too high. It's not as new as we'd like it to be. Uh, I personally was full of complaint. I can't, I can't speak for Felicity. She's not up here. But we were living in a Sandgate on 3rd Avenue at the time, and I remember it clearly. We were both on the couch. We were praying about where God wanted us to live. What did God want us to do? Obviously, there's a number of houses that we were looking at. And we both felt specifically that it was this house that God wanted us to move into. And we both distinctively knew that we didn't want to move into that house because that wasn't our preference. (laughs) God said, you should move into this house. We were like, but why? There's so many things. As we prayed more, we just knew that this was the house that God wanted. We didn't necessarily want it at the time, but God wanted it for us. Because it had a pool, it had a shed, it had dual living capabilities, it had a few things that, I guess from God's perspective, would be helpful for showing hospitality. You know, all I saw was the debt of the home loan, the maintenance, the yard that needed mowing, considered getting llamas or alpacas to help mow the lawn for me. 
not legal. <laughs> like the work needed to keep this thing going and presentable is a bit more than we're used to. But, you know, <laughs> where we saw all those things that we didn't want, God saw the potential for his ministry through us in the house. You know, God saw the potential for us to accommodate other people. He saw us hosting larger groups of people that you might not otherwise be able to do in, in a smaller place. You know, we've had the youth group come, we've had the youth group come around and break the pool. We've had young adults come around. We're having weekly play dates with our young families with a number of little bubs at the moment come around. You know, we've had the privilege of different folks stay with us over the years. We've had a, a retired army chaplain. We've had people from church. We've had extended family and friends come stay with us. You know, God used our home to be a blessing. And even though at the beginning, we or I were too focused on the mortgage and the upkeep and the cleaning and not having our own space and all that sort of stuff. What we didn't do was focus on what God wanted to do and how God wanted to use our home to bless himself and to bless others. And that's more of our focus now. You know, we've actually got a tenant moving out tomorrow and we're already praying, God, who do you want to move in downstairs? Who do you want to have down there? Because we believe that he has a specific plan for our house, but also for people to come live there and be around people who are hopefully a good influence and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. What has God given you and what, and how can you just use that to be a blessing to God and other people? Just reflect on what God's been saying to you this morning. What has he given you? How can you use that this morning? We're presented with this great model from Aquila and Priscilla who were serving Christ and serving Christ's church. They were very much unsung heroes of the faith. And they were able to bless and influence generations to come because of their generosity and hospitality. It doesn't get a huge mention in God's word, but when you kind of highlight their names and kind of track what they were doing, it's there and it's beautiful. Because they followed Christ, because they had him at the center of their hearts, small, simple decisions had a huge payback in the kingdom of God. How can we use what we have to point people to Jesus as well? How can we use what we have to be a blessing to Christ's church, to help foster deeper growth and relationship? For some of us this morning, we might not even know Jesus yet, and you'd want to hear more about him. I'd love to chat with you after the service. Come have a chat. I'd love to hear your story and love to share Jesus with you. But what does it look like this morning to alter that perspective away from what the cost is to us? So what is the blessing to God and others that I can bring through my stewardship and obedience? Let's pray this morning. Lord, we just want to acknowledge this morning that all that we have uh, been given is, is from you. For some of us, Lord, that's, that's much. For some of us, that's little and everywhere in between, Lord. We're just grateful for what you've given to us this morning. God, we just want to say sorry for when we haven't honoured you or glorified you with what you've given us. God, would you help us to come to a place in our heart, in our mind, in our relationship with you, Lord, where we put you first, where we ask the question, how can I serve, how can I bless with what you've given me? So, Lord, would you just bring to mind things that we can do that are going to bless you and bless your church, bless those who don't know Christ, 
Lord, inspire us, give us ideas, show us ways that we can use what we have to be that blessing. Because, Lord, you've given us what we've, what we've got for, for our provision, Lord, but for the blessing of others as well. So would you guide us and lead us this morning as we just reflect and ponder as we continue to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.